0: Drive Time on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. When investment performance matters, make sure your savings are with Zurich. Visit zurich.ie to find out more. Now, I don't know if you saw the uh, data published in the Irish Times today... Uh, around uh, access to third level and a breakdown based on school, it's really interesting. Students from fee-paying schools are more likely to progress to third level than students in non-fee-charging schools or indeed students attending Jes schools, for example. To discuss the factors that make progression to third level Uh, education in this country possible or not. I'm joined by Brian Mooney, guidance counsellor and Irish Times education columnist, and also by Deirdre Fitzgerald, who's acting principal in Mount Carmel Secondary uh, School in Dublin 1. You're both very welcome to the programme. Deirdre Fitzgerald, if I can come to you first of all, um, you might tell me about your own school. uh, You're welcome. And how, how young people fare there in terms of progression to third level.
1: Okay, well, I suppose we are a Dublin 1 school here on King's Inn Street. We have 376 students, 39 teachers, 5 SNAs, secretary, bursar and caretakers and I suppose we are a community here in Dublin 1. We are the oldest secondary school in Dublin City Centre from 1812 and we are a Desh School Band 1. It's the highest band and Desh School is delivering equality of opportunity in schools. So I suppose what is a Desh School? Uh, We I suppose get extra funding. We have book rental schemes, we uh, help students buy their own exam papers, we subsidise canteen, we have a free breakfast club, we provide uniforms, we get students to donate uniforms back, we clothe, we provide shoes, Uh, we've homeschool liaison teacher. So these are all the kind of just the context behind the school that we are. And why are all those
0: things important when we're talking about third level education and, and access to
1: They're all important because we take these uh, students in as 12-year-old students and I suppose we want to paint them the picture that third level is accessible. I started teaching in this school 21 years ago and I took over as acting principal in 2020. And I suppose when I came here first, the uh, biggest goal was... Retention to leaving cert, but now our dreams for them are bigger. I suppose it's a bit like, yes, I'm from Sligo. You'll indulge me, but I've spread my dreams under your feet, tread mm-hmm. softly. And that's what they do. They spread their dreams. We provide the opportunities as yeah, yeah, K- a band school, and that is what raises their standard to get them into parallel. Uh, And
0: it's beautiful when it happens, Deirdre, isn't it? Uh, It really is fantastic, uh, the realisation of that dream. It is, and it's a lot
1: of hard work, I suppose, Cormac, from the beginning because it starts with initiatives from first year right through up to Leaving Cert. And I suppose we have an academic all-stars club where we pair high-achieving students at Leaving Cert with Junior. We have a JCSP library that gives them space. We do supervised study. It's funded by the NEIC there. Michael O'Riordan and that gives them quiet, we give them food in the evening, they have somewhere to study, we have TY programmes, LCAs our teachers, our mentors, we have community links as well with Trinity and TUD because you you have to paint this picture I suppose that third level is accessible Yeah
0: and you have made that a reality but why then when I read the uh, data and the analysis in the Irish Times and they break it down uh, quite simply and clearly. Why does it seem, Deirdre, that students from a Jesh school, for example, uh, are proportionally less likely uh, to attain a, a place in a higher points course in third level than a fee-paying student? Why is that?
1: Well, I suppose it is um, opportunity, and I suppose it is maybe tradition of where they are coming from. Um, but that's what we try, we want to bridge that gap. And I suppose you could look at the um, league tables today and see that 46% of our students went on to CAO. But we like to look at a different number because it's all about how you read the numbers. Mm -hmm. We had 73% of students go into third level last year. And third level for us is further education and CAO. And yes, there is a difference and there's challenges. And the challenges are finance. But there's also the change of perception, the breaking of cycle, you know, it's all of those things together.
0: Let me bring in in Brian Mooney, if you don't mind, because I think you've explained it really well. But when you look at the cold figures, Brian, um, you you can look at access to third level uh, on one strand. And Jess schools um, are doing a really good job, as Deirdre say, because there's far more students from Jess schools now going on to third level than certainly there used to be. But when you drill down to the higher points course, for example, the disparity is stark, would you agree with me? If you come from a fee-paying school, 87% of those students go on to a higher points course. A non-fee-paying school, 52%. A Jess school, 33%.
2: It's not about fee-paying. It's, as Deirdre says, it's about culture and it's about social class. Because ultimately, it's not about ultimately whether it's a fee-paying school or not. If you drive along the Stillorgan Road outside RTE there and you drive from Muckras to the Theresians, past Colossal and Palazzo the East gone past Oakland's College and down to Blackrock College and up to Mount Anvil the progression rates are relatively similar and yet you've got fee-paying schools non-fee-paying schools but it's, so, it's social class and culture and it, the it's the parents' expectations it? and it's the children's experience of not at, at, at going into secondary school, it's at two and three-year-olds which is why you know the, the recent the announcement by Roderick O'Gorman in relation to investment in early childhood is so important. Ultimately, it's about the expectation of the parents. It's the expectation of the child. And whereas Deirdre is doing a phenomenal job, um, you know, and as a chair of a number of further education colleges myself, I see the benefit of students from disadvantaged communities coming into further education, consolidating their knowledge and their skills, moving on to university. It's a phenomenal, it's a success. It's more than just
0: expectation, Brian. There's something structurally wrong here, isn't there?
2: Well, there is in the sense that, you know, if you, look, if you look at, you know, my experience in third level in the 70s, and you look now, and you look at, say, for instance, the That's from Susie in relation to who gets grants. Effectively, you know, far fewer students in UCD or Trinity get grants than students in the Institutes of Technology or in the new technological universities. So, yes, we've expanded the system hugely over the last 30 to 40 years. But in a sense, social class has probably still retained that hold over what would be considered to be the prestige
0: program. How do you break that down, though?
1: But I do think the third levels are breaking into that. Like, we have the Trinity Access Project. Correct. We have TUD. We have... Uh, third level is accessible, and it is breaking the cycle. And I know people are looking at the six years going into third level. But you have to start with them at first year. We have jump a grade, turn yeah. team. We even have a well-known Dublin grind school who give us revision scholarships. Yeah. And it's all of these opportunities given over and over again that make if we're an all-girls school, would it make the girls in our school thrive. So, for example, we have a girl with 625 points last year yeah. and she is in one of 33 places in pharmacy in the RCSI. Yeah. We have Global Business, 613 points. These are amazing courses. They're high level. And, of course, Cormac, we'd love to see more and more numbers okay. and there's always the sense. K- b- Brian,
0: Brian, final word to you. The
2: success rate is actually in the fact that in terms of bald numbers, there are more students from deaf schools in high point courses than there are for fee paying schools. But then again, there are three times as many deaf students at Leaving Search as there are fee paying. But what you is saying is success. There has been huge success, mm. but what we need to do is invest, as I say, at early childhood, and to continue to yeah. do what is doing and investing in those students. And of course, the huge problem, of course, is accommodation costs. Because if it we is, look at yeah. it geographically, and this is something we were looking at, talking about earlier with your researcher, in terms of, look at around the country, where you have commuting distances, where students can commute to college and university, the numbers of participations are higher, but the cost of accommodation is so prohibitive yeah. And where that's not present, the rates go down, and the ones that suffer are the school students from disadvantaged communities who cannot afford to pay the kind
0: of cost. That really, that really jumps out at you, Brian, doesn't it? Uh, it's all right, five one double five one. Geraldine texts the programme to say fee-paying schools have students from wealthy backgrounds who can afford to pay uh, for grinds. So that's one view. Look, we'll we'll leave it there. We'll talk to Minister Simon Harris about this a little bit later on. We might put some of your points, Deirdre and Brian, uh, to uh, the minister, but for the moment, Deirdre Fitzgerald, who's acting. Principal at Carmel Secondary School in uh, Dublin 1 and Brian Mooney Guidance counselor and Irish Times Education columnist Thank you very much Anita. You can text the programme 51551 <music> The Minister for Further and Higher Education Simon Harris has announced that third level colleges and universities will reopen from next Monday after the winter break The news came as newspapers today published annual league tables showing which schools were most successful in helping students progress to third level last year. Fee-paying schools and schools in affluent areas continue to dominate the tables, although last year saw some improvement in the progression rate for students from less advantaged areas and backgrounds. Minister Simon Harris joins me now from Leinster House. You're very welcome to the programme, uh, Minister. Good evening, um, Cormac. Thousands. Let's start with the uh, the staggered return to uh, on-site learning at third level campuses uh, from next Monday. Isn't that right? Uh, yes. Thousands of students will be keen to get back. Uh, tell us how it'll look.
3: Yeah, so, so good evening and thank you for having me on. I, I think the first thing the first thing to say is exactly, as, as you said, staggered. Um, so from next, we don't have one big bang reopening day in the third level sector. Colleges come back on different days throughout the month of January. So I believe five colleges are due back on Monday, another five roughly the following week and then the rest throughout the month of January. Uh, today I chaired a meeting of staff, union reps, uh, student reps and management reps across uh, third level. Uh, and the good news is that the public health advice continues to Indicate that education is essential and that we can see a return to on-site third-level education. Of course, this is happening in the context of a number of really good developments, most crucially the fact that the booster vaccine programme is now open to young people and I'm very pleased to report this evening that about 100,000 people between the ages of 19 and 29 have now availed of the booster vaccine and we'll also be working on open, opening pop-up vaccination clinics across third-level to make it as easy as possible for people to get protection. of
0: 19, between 19 and what age? 19 and 29 and is 29. the age group I've been so, given and, and what is that uh, proportionately?
3: It's proportionately around 21% of that age group. So it's quite low, isn't it, really? Well I suppose I'd look at it a slightly different way Cormac about a week ago they weren't eligible to be vaccinated um, so the change has literally only come in very very recently and secondly when we were originally planning to see college reopen for semester two it wasn't envisaged that the booster programme would even be available to young people at this stage but I do take the point I mean we want to make it as easy as possible to get jobs in the arms mm-hmm. and we know we know from past experience young people are very eager to get the vaccine so for example next week Trinity College will open a vaccination clinic on campus um, and we'll be rolling them out with the HSE. And, and let's hope an awful
0: lot of people take up the booster. Uh, yes, I believe well, will. And, and perhaps it's not exactly the age cohort uh, that will return to, to campus next week Yes, but with one-fifth of those, let's say it is for, for argument's sake, one-fifth of those uh, t- having taken the vaccine up until now, they'll be returning to campus with Omicron at its peak next week. Is that a concern for you? Well it's absolutely true that Omicron is due to peak next week
3: but obviously once something peaks you generally see something then improve so I think the fact that third level is beginning to open in the week that peaks one would hope if the Nefit projection is right that actually the numbers will improve as we go through the month of January but I should say I mean there's a number of measures in place across third level to safely get our students back when we reopened colleges in September um, we saw this work extremely well and I remember talking to Professor Philip Nolan the head of Neffet's modelling we actually saw cases increase significantly amongst younger people when the colleges were closed during midterm break for example so there's an awful lot of evidence that when students are actually in colleges, in environments where there's good ventilation policies in place where there's a 9 million euro antigen fund that we've put in place um, where there are uh, there's a whole framework endorsed by the Chief Medical Officer that needs to be applied to each setting, all rooms risk assessed that it actually is uh, it is an environment in which students and staff uh, are kept safe but, and it's but, an environment which can safely operate.
0: every work. Place and every uh, student in uh, secondary and primary school have have had to grapple with this this week, um, and the fear is that Omicron is so transmissible uh, that it only takes almost a, a whiff of air, uh, uh, infected air, for people to be infected. That's what some public health officials are saying in the UK, for example. Um, will they be given antigen tests on campus? I wonder. Uh, so the short the short answer is yes. I mean, we have made available
3: nine. We have made available a nine million euro fund. We announced this on the 23rd of December uh, for colleges to provide free antigen tests to our students. Now, again, colleges come in different shapes and sizes, and different colleges have done different things. Some sent their students home for the Christmas break with a number of antigen tests. Mm-hmm. Some are planning on providing antigen tests on return. I do also think, while I while I'm very pleased to have been able to put in place the initiative around antigen tests, an awful lot has actually changed even since we've done that, in the sense that I think the public are now very familiar with using antigen tests. And and people of all ages, including students, uh, are now using antigen tests in line with the public health advice. So I, I think, I mean, we have to remember we're at the very different phase of this pandemic. I mean, you're entirely right. The numbers of COVID cases in this country are extremely high. But I also saw the hospital figures today that, you know, we actually saw a very slight dip in hospital figures when I saw them this morning. ICU figures seem stable. We do have to try and live alongside yeah, do, this virus. I, we I, really I, do, Cormac. And I, I, we, I, I, you know, I know, the but of I heard Paul reads,
0: so Um words minister ringing in my ears from the interview he did on on RT Radio this morning, he said, mm. People are not in hospital with this, um, with, with Omicron, because it's it's easier. They're having a, a piece of cake. And I'm paraphrasing. He said, They're very sick. They're very sick. And are you not concerned that students going back to campus um, will they have to have access? I wonder, or will they have to show a COVID cert before they can access the gym or uh, the campus bar, for example? Because <laughs> yes. when, when super spreader events, and environments were described as previously by the HUC. They talked about bar environments, for example. Will that be yes, a pre- it,
3: yes, it will indeed. So I, I look at the college campus in a very in a very simple way. I, I basically think that the college campus should be considered the same as any town or village. You know, it can be a place where thousands of people spend quite a significant amount of time, and the same rules need to apply on a college campus that apply off the college campus. So whatever's safe to do in the bar in the local town or village is safe to do on the college campus. Whatever's safe to do in the local sports club is safe to do in the College sports club. So yes, COVID certs will be required, and this is not a new development. This has been the position since college resumed, okay. um, and, and that and that and that will continue. But look, we, we don't we're not we're not in a stage um, of lockdown. We're in a stage where people are trying to live alongside this. Education is an essential service. I have heard from young people. I've heard from their parents. I've heard from their lecturers. The well-being of people last year, when college was re- reduced to Zoom, to sitting in the bedroom uh, at, a, at a desk or even on, on the laptop on the bed, looking down a Zoom camera, that had a real Impact on the well-being of young people, and I'm very proud that we've gotten our colleges back open. I'm not suggesting it would be easy, but it is absolutely in line with public health advice that we can now proceed as planned.
0: Okay, uh, look, can we? Can I ask you about the uh, detailed supplements in today's newspapers? Zero mm-hmm. Times, for example, um, and they, they they show that schools. Um, particularly fee-paying schools transfer students to high points courses far more proportionately than just schools, for example, or or less privileged schools. Um, The disparity remains in education. Would you accept that, number one, and why is that happening, I wonder still?
3: Well, I mean, firstly, I would accept it because it is a statement of fact. I mean, the data shows that. But I would also make a couple of other points. I would, as I think I heard your, your school principal earlier on the programme, make, yeah. yes, make a similar point. I, I mean, I, I I very much understand why newspapers publish this information. In fact, I, I believe it's quite useful. It doesn't tell the full picture, though. Um, we have narrowed the definition of success in education far, far too much. This elitist, snobby, classist view has emerged in education and we need to call it out. 8,200 new people registered to be apprentices um, in the course of the last year. Each and every one of them is just as just as much a success uh, as somebody who decided to go on to a university. But nobody's saying they're, they're not. No, well, 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 they're not. But implicitly in suggesting, well, look at the percentage of students who went to universities from one school versus the other isn't telling the full story. No, that's just I, one I, think point. I
0: think the point is... No Nobody's saying anybody who does a, an apprenticeship isn't successful.
3: I look forward to the league tables on that being
0: produced. No, no, uh, uh, that, that isn't the case at all. But I suppose a statement of fact is that uh, there is a high demand for these courses, these high points Absolutely. courses, because they lead on to very lucrative careers in many cases. And the simple fact is, an awful lot of students. By virtue of the high points, want to access those cases, those, those courses. The, the, the crucial question really is: if there is a structural disparity in yeah. the in the education system that prevents a greater cohort of of less privileged students accessing those high points, lucrative career mm. courses, is there?
3: Well, no, and sorry, I don't want you to think from my first answer that I that I don't want to engage on the second topic because I do. Yes, there is but what the data also shows is thankfully that the gap is beginning to narrow. So I published just before Christmas the progression rates from a a report called uh, Education Indicators we publish it every year and it showed that in 2019 41.4% of students in desh schools disadvantaged schools went on to third level education. That increased to 46.7%. It's still behind, absolutely behind um, the national average but it is quite a significant increase and what does that tell us? I mean what should we do from a policy point of view? It tells us that DESH is working. It tells us that Minister Norma Foley's decision to expand DESH to more schools with 18 million euro more in the budget is a good idea. And also initiatives that I've unveiled very recently, including getting universities to partner up with DESH schools to provide extra support and mentoring and pathways. And the new National Access Plan that we'll publish in March, which will have specific targets and measures for students from a whole variety of underrepresented backgrounds, including intellectual disabilities, children who've been in the state's care. So there's more we need to do but we have. It the seems like on one reason. Sorry.
0: Sorry, sorry to cut across Not you. We're talk. limited on time. When you say uh, Jesh is working and yes. the investment there is working, it is, you could say, to a degree. Hmm. But high access or high points course is still the preserve of the elite in this country, isn't it?
3: Well, I, th- I think there's absolutely no doubt that the rote examination system that we've had in place is in my view unfair. I'm very clear in relation to the fact that there needs to be different and more diverse progression pathways to university that don't just reward those, and I don't mean this in any way disparaging way, but those who are good in rote exams. Um, and I think what is encouraging to see is actually in a year where we had alternative pathways, not just the traditional Leaving Cert exam, and num- the number of students who accessed college significantly increased and the number of students from socio-economically disadvantaged backgrounds also increased. There is another nugget of really important information in the the report today it's in Peter Maguire's report in the Irish Times Supplement we saw a very very significant increase in the number of students moving from further education and training to higher education in other words moving beyond this idea that I must get X amount of points in the Leaving Cert or or, or I can't succeed and get to the career that I want and what I want to do and what I would say to any sixth year student in any school today is you are the first sixth year students in the history of the state that when you go to cao.ie forward slash options you will see the traditional CAO options but you'll also see the further education options you'll also see the apprenticeship options and we need to look at how we can have many many more diverse pathways for people to reach the careers that they want
0: And that would be great if people want to access those diverse, diverse pathways but if, if somebody from a less privileged background or a Jesh school for example or it, it, a rural school sometimes mm-hmm. um, if they want to access the High Points course directly but they're being prevented because of a structural disparity, as you say, in the educational system. I mean, is it time to establish a quota system for some of these students, these cohorts, in high points courses?
3: Um, I I think it's certainly something worth keeping in mind but that's not the route that I'm taking what I'm trying to take at the moment um, Cormac being very honest with you while the whole senior cycle issue and leaving cert reform is being considered by my colleague the Minister for Education I'm trying to look at providing multiple pathways to get to those uh, to get to those what have been traditionally high point courses so let me give you one example law is a very high points course Um, lots and lots of people apply to do law in university what lots of people don't know is that if you don't get the high points to go directly into university you already can do what we call a pre-law course course in a local college. Cavan College of, uh, as an example. You can do a year there and you can go directly, forget the CAO, forget the points race, you can go directly uh, from that pre-law course in further education
0: into university. But the problem so is they can't uh, afford to go on and progress beyond the okay, law. Well, well that, I mean, well that's the, uh, the professional a, fees to do a professional no, yeah. course in law afterwards are tens uh, of thousands of Well, uh, well, well let, me di- let me deal with that argument. You need laptops, on- you yeah, need online uh, learning. That's, I mean, a di- that's a different ar- That's an important but argument. it's the same argument. The cost is prohibitive. That's what Deirdre Fitzpatrick told us. And that's what hasn't been eradicated over the years, the cost of education.
3: Yeah, so I've just dealt with the pathways piece. In relation to the cost piece, I, I agree with you. Um and you will see the process that we're putting in place to adequately and properly address core funding in higher education. And I've made it very clear in a number of um in a number of public comments I made around Christmas that as part of that package the cost and affordability of going to college needs to be addressed. Um we've just conducted a review of student grants and student supports, income thresholds, um and I'm expecting to receive that final report very, very shortly. And during the course of twenty twenty two, not only will I bring forward proposals with government to address core funding and further and higher education. We'll also bring forward proposals alongside that to address the cost uh, of education. And
0: will that bring us educational equality in this country? I think it will take a very
3: important step towards that. I think a number of measures taken by my predecessors, including the debt and the expansion of debt, have really helped. But I think we need to be radical. I think we need to be brave here. I think we need to accept that the status quo um, is not the way forward when it comes to education, that success comes in many shapes, in many sizes, in many ways, and students learn differently and come from different backgrounds. And we need to provide multiple pathways for people to get to where they want to get to.
0: Minister Simon Harris, thank you very much indeed.